0: Homelander keeps me glued to the TV like no other character in television. And Anthony Starr steals every scene of the show from every other actor in it. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. We're doing an Evil Explored of Homelander. We've done a bunch of these Evil Explored episodes of some of our favorite villains in the film. James had the great idea. Why don't we do the best villain in TV? And he is the best villain in TV right now. And I only have great ideas. <laughs> That's debatable. That is debatable. But Homelander is... The reason why the show works so well... Because the show is entertaining and it's fun... But just like a movie... uh, It's only as good as its villain... And in this case... The villain is fantastic... He's one of the most fascinating characters on television at the moment... An incredible performer, Anthony Starr... He's just dynamite... He destroys the screen... Chews up scenery... And he does a lot of incredible... Remarkable acting for this character that... Is really, in a lot of ways... The backbone of the show... A face of the show... And vital for the show, working as the ultimate villain of the entire story. And Homelander has a great character design. Again, an insanely talented actor portraying the character, which is essential to a memorable villain and character in general. Charismatic personality. Even a tragic and somewhat fitting backstory to make you empathize with him. And sometimes you obviously hate him. Often you hate him. You find him pathetic. But then also you're like, I kind of feel for the guy because of how he was created, what happened to him, his upbringing in terms of being grown in a laboratory, not knowing who his father was or his parents are. He has uh, mommy issues, and eventually finding out who his father is season three, the end of that excellent season. I mean, I'm sure everyone who's listened to this episode has has watched The Boys, so I'm going to spoil the hell out of it right now. Finding out that Soldier Boy is biologically his father. And technically, Stormfront is kind of his mom. He's created with some of Stormfront's DNA. Exactly, yeah. One of the most intriguing characters I've seen in a long time since, like, Tommy Shelby in Peaky Blinders because it's a character that you despise and you, and, and you can't stand. He's despicable, he's evil, he's horrible, and yet you want to keep watching it. Whenever it's a Homelander scene, it's uh, in a lot of ways, it's a highlight of each episode whenever Homelander I get, I'm is, like, all right, here we go. We're yeah. walking in. Some other scenes, I'm like, ah! It's um, t- Kind of tuning out a little bit? Yeah, it's kind of... You can compare it to when the Joker shows up in The Dark Knight, where I wouldn't say it's the quite the level of Heath Ledger. However, it's the same idea where when he's on screen, it's like, oh, this is a different thing. The show really excels when Homelander is having great scenes, and his scenes are often the most memorable, most iconic, and the most shocking scenes in the entire TV show. And that's what makes a great villain. And the evil of Homelander is really fascinating explored really well i like how they slowly roll it out over the course of the three seasons and i like how we're presented the version of homelander that the public has at first and then we see behind closed doors quite quickly and obviously the most shocking major reveal of homelander is the first one he kills that the men on that the man on that plane and then Obviously, that shocking scene of the the plane that he and Maeve go to rescue, the plane that's under duress, and they oh, can't- Oh, it's more than under yeah. <laughs> duress, Anthony. It's crashing. It's crashing. <laughs> and he, It's having a bad day, that plane. <laughs> and they realize that there's really nothing they can do to save everyone. And Homelander is trying to play it cool, but he's like, Maeve, we gotta get out of here. And she's like, why don't you just pick it up and like, Superman it away? He's like, physics doesn't work like that. I can't just fly a plane. It's not how things work. And so, when the public of the when the public on board begin understanding that they're actually in danger and the soups want to leave and abandon them that puts them under duress big time and it, it causes homelander to be extremely threatened and he threatens to kill them all it's just one of those moments where it's just like holy shit this is so much different for the superhero hero genre and then abandoning the plane not saving a single life because then there's someone that would tell the public about what really happened so that scene for Homelander was such a big and important moment for him. I've always interpreted that scene differently and I think it's a really important one for the character and it's fun to talk about because it's one of the most shocking of all three seasons. I've always interpreted it that Homelander could save the plane but he doesn't want to. He obviously sees an opportunity for PR because after the crash he uses it as a PR stunt to get points and approval ratings and have everyone feel tragic the tragedy of what happened and get make him feel better really yeah and he's so ultra powerful how couldn't he stop this plane and when it comes to homelander and what's interesting about his character throughout the entirety of the show is we never truly see his full power he never really has to do it because he's never faced with quite a threat like a superman character is faced with consistently someone as equally powerful or more powerful or close to his power levels homelander until he gets really blindsided by soldier boy huey and butcher who's got gen v i mean a compound v him and huey then he almost gets taken out sort of almost gets defeated but he gets out of there he does run away though you're right but homelander never shows his true power because he never has to show effort he's never really had to try at anything in his entire life Even though he's got a very troubled past growing up in a laboratory, showed no affection besides what some of the scientists showed him through glass or through doors, like some smile and peekaboo, stuff like that. He's never had affection. That's why he had Madeline around for so long. But I feel like... For him, stopping that plane would have required effort and trying, which he doesn't want to do. Ironically, he wants the adoration of being a hero that tries really hard and saves lives without doing the actual work. See, that's an interesting take, but I think that he is right in terms of the physics of that wouldn't work, because it it happens in Brandon Ralph Superman where he does that with a plane, a, a crashing plane, and he guides it down. But if that much pressure, the pressure to hold the falling plane up, is applied to just such a minuscule part of the plane, like large enough for his hands, that would break the plane. So I think that's correct with the Possibly, physics. Yeah. That's how yeah. I look at it. They that should scene. prove that on Mythbusters. Mythbusters, yeah.
1: <laughs> because like if the
0: if the if the pressure was applied evenly, the plane would be fine. But because the all of that pressure will be applied to a very fine point, it would break through the plane. That's what I. That's how I look at it. And one of the reasons why I, I like that it's true. One of the reasons why we're doing this episode is also because Gen V just came out and. Everyone has a thirst for The Boys season four coming out in 2024. Oh my God, yes. And I have a thirst for it too. I loved the first three seasons okay. of The Boys. What are you taking right now? Would you rather watch MCU in DC movies or watch The Boys? In 2024? Yeah. I'll take The Boys. Same. They don't have much going on next year. I mean, there's no really DC movies until Superman Legacy in right, Not just in next year, but like generally speaking. Honestly... I think The Boys is better than both. Right now, I'm more into The Boys than both. We yeah. haven't seen anything for Superman Legacy. They haven't True. even cast it. Yeah. I'm sure they have Behind Closed Doors. They haven't shot it. They cast Superman Legacy. <laughs> no, I mean, that's why I said Behind Closed Doors. <laughs> oh, no, they revealed it. Rachel Brosnahan in... The oh, other- I'm so- in <laughs> I, I don't know why I was thinking of... <laughs> <laughs> you're thinking Batman. Yeah, I was thinking Batman. You're thinking <laughs> Batman. Brave and, br- You're right. Brave and bold. You're right. Totally forgot. No worries. <laughs> <Leave it. laughs> We've talked about this like seven times already. <laughs> behind Closed Doors as in on Instagram by James Gunn. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> Anyways, fact check <laughs> corrected. <laughs> but, you know, I'm excited for Superman Legacy, but mm-hmm. it's going to be the fourth Superman movie this century? Uh so one Brandon Routh, one Cavill, and then Superman, Batman vs. Superman. So that basically counts as Superman. Movies. But I mean, so, yeah, in, in terms the of the character, we've seen a ton of Superman lately yeah. the century. I mean, he's been in six, six movies, movies something like that, maybe more, seven. And I'm more interested in seeing things that are unique and different. I'm sure James Gunn will bring something unique and different to his version of Superman Legacy and give us something that hasn't really been done so far. Sure. But I just find the boys so exhilarating and unique and fresh compared to the superhero genre the last five years. It's really the only thing that's maintained my interest in the superhero genre lately. Honestly, last two years. Since... The whole Man yeah. of Steel and Zack Snyder having to drop out of Justice yeah. League, yeah. But, I mean, I still love Zack Snyder's Justice League. Oh, yeah. I'm so glad that they made that and released it. Oh, it's great. It's great. But you're right. Besides that, I have not been very energized by the MCU at all or the DC. The Aquaman movies are fine.
1: That, uh,
0: yeah, 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 it's fine. Yeah. It's a good movie. I get, yeah, for, but, yeah, Yeah. But speaking of Superman, obviously, Homelander is the reflection of Superman in this world. And what's really fascinating is you did mention a little bit about his upbringing. I do have to correct you a little bit. He did have kind of mat- a maternal figure in a way. So one of the scientists was brought on as his educator and when he was a little boy in the lab. And so she would teach him. And there's a couple of sequences from his memories and flashbacks of her teaching him his- history and stuff. And he grew uh, a childlike attachment towards her. And this is the woman he accidentally crushed her when he hugged her. That's right. That's so that's, right. that's the only person he looked to as a maternal figure until Madeline. And With Madeline, it's, it's both a combination of maternal and a partner as well. It's a strange uh, combination of both. Very strange her. combination. But that was his only In parental milk. figure. She wasn't there to be his parent, there to be his teacher. But he, because he had no one else showing him attention or real comfort... He gravitated to her as his maternal figure, and then accidentally killing her was obviously horribly traumatic for him. But what's interesting about him and Superman is that Superman—it's a great reflection because Superman—he's the blue boy scout. He's—he's he's got great moral fiber. He always makes the right decisions, uh, and he has great backbone. And at the end of the day, he is willing to sacrifice himself just to save one human being, even though he's an alien, a superpowered godlike being on this planet. And he got that kind of moral fiber because of his upbringing. He grew up on the Kent farm, crash-landed on their farm. We all know the story. And, and he grew up with these two great parents who who taught him right and wrong, who gave him that moral fiber, who, who instilled great values in him and great love as well as familial bonding and interpersonal relationships that Homelander never had. And so it's interesting because they in this world – vaught industries kind of has a similar kind of story for homelander like, ironically, to the, like the farm boy yeah, yeah exactly saying all this stuff happened, but ironically but behind closed doors he was raised in the lab uh basically as a lab rat as a science experiment gone wrong Expo- experimented on given exposure to chemicals and the combination of the upbringing as well as exposure to these testing chemicals essentially uh, rotted his brain and turned him into a sociopath who lacked empathy and any sense of humanity. Plus, he's got a little bit of storm her uh, DNA, yeah. and she was a Nazi. A literal Nazi. <laughs> a literal <laughs> Nazi. <laughs> we'll, we'll stay on Superman in, in Homelander because I like the comparison. When it comes to who's more powerful, obviously Superman is leagues ahead of Homelander. Homelander's yeah. powerful in relative to his universe and his world yes however you know due to compound v he's aging still more like a human and his strength will eventually start to get a little softer but also when it comes to if if they're in a fight let's say superman and homelander have the same power level you could say to crudely like put it i still think superman destroys homelander because his experience he fights very powerful beings regularly so he's a great at combat at combat, and as well as he's got that grit. Like you said, he's got that backbone. He's will. got that grit. He's got that will to win, whereas Homelander doesn't have any of that. Almost, You're right. He ran away from the fight he was going to lose. Exactly. Yeah. He almost never fights anyone near his level. And meanwhile, Superman, one of his great strengths is he has friends who will come to his aid. Homelander has no friends that will come to his aid. He has inferiors who fear him. Even everyone on the 7, everyone on the 7 fears Homelander. They despise Homelander, they have no respect for Homelander, but they fear him because Homelander could legitimately enslave the entire planet if he wanted to. However, what Homelander has an immense amount of is insecurity, which causes him to need to be loved rather than feared by the public, because he could enslave everybody, but he doesn't, because he wants that attention in terms of being loved, and that's why public opinion is so important to him, which is why— in order to get power over Homelander, someone like Starlight, they get power over Homelander by having better approval ratings and then being made co-captain of the Seven. And that's, Stan. Yeah, and Homelander could kill her. Yeah. Why not? Just kill her and enslave the entire planet. That's 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 what you really want if you want to be number one, but he can't because he needs the adoration of the people. It's Yeah, it's his upbringing because it's the great irony of the character that he has this godlike strength, he's impervious, Nothing can hurt him, basically. Well, I wouldn't say nothing. nothing he does okay. get hurt here and there. I mean, even the big bruise on his face from Soldier Boy, that's there for a little while. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. One of his weaknesses, you could say, is not a complete ability to uh, recuperate. Re- regenerate. Yeah, he regenerate have, recuperate yeah. abilities are slower than yes. someone like Soldier Boy. And, and... And Maeve stabs him in the ear. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> get me in the ear! Get <laughs> me in the ear! No, oh, it's perfect. It's perfect.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so despite his godlike strength, almost impervious, almost completely in I'm, no, I'm just getting ready for the YouTube If another soups isn't involved. <laughs> <laughs> but like you said, ironically, for all of that strength, he possesses deep, intense insecurity and the need for validation. And it comes from his upbringing. It comes from his uh, lack of parents and lack of attention and love. And so because he didn't have any of that growing up, it's uh, he craves it more than anything. And he needs that validation. That's why the end of season three was really, I think, the best ending of any of the seasons. He got me really excited because at the end of season three, during the r- protest, uh, uh, during his rally, I mean, one of the guys in the stands, it's, it's MM's ex-wife's boyfriend. Wait, no, 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 he's just there celebrating. Some guy. Some guy throws a can at, hol- at Homelander's son, and then Homelander kills him in front of the crowd. And this isn't his imagination like that other time where he just lasered the entire crowd. Which and, is brutal. Which is great. BRUTAL! brutal. <sighs> This is for real. He really murdered somebody in cold blood, on TV, in front of a crowd. And it's something he's always feared. He's always held held it back. He imagines it. Clearly he would get great pleasure from lasering all these people, all these inferior ants to him. But he always controls himself because he's obsessed with approval, he's obsessed with validation, he's obsessed with the people loving him. And so he's always been afraid that if he ever showed himself his true colors, and enacted any of these bouts of violence or horrific murder in the public eye it would ruin the public perception of him, and he would never get any love or validation from anyone again. But what happened was after he killed that man, first uh, MM's wife's MM's wife's uh, ex-wife's boyfriend starts the cheer. Oh wait, it's him. Yeah, it's yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. He's the he's the guy in the yeah, crowd. Yeah. He's like, "Yeah! Yeah! Yeah!" And then the entire crowd erupts in pl- applauses and cheers because he's Homelander. a fan of Homelander. Exactly. And MM doesn't want her, her his son to be Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. His daughter. I mean daughter, yeah. And then it has that great ending. It was uh, a TikTok trend for months <laughs> of the violent Okay. And of Homelander being shocked with pleasure and relief, and Anthony Starr does a great job of expressing a bunch of different emotions in this one moment of Surprise, relief, encouragement, and excitement—all within within his the looks of his face. It's really great acting. And then it cuts to black. End of the season. He's now understood that there are millions of people who will support him, who will get behind who he really is, and who will celebrate these kinds of bouts of violence and will celebrate killing the right kinds of people to their in their opinions. So that's what's so dangerous about the end of the season three. What made it such a great ending is that. Now Homelander is going to be let loose. He's off his leash, his own leash. He's been leashed. He's leashed himself. He's been controlling himself, taming himself. And now he can be himself finally. He can truly be Homelander in the public. It's like that great mirror scene, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But that sequence of the fantasy of using his laser vision to kill the hundreds and hundreds of people in front of him at the protests that are mad at him giving him the finger... That is one of the most disturbing but most exciting scenes ever when it comes to anything superhero. And it was so needed, not just like that scene. It's horrific, obviously, and brutal. Yeah. But the superhero no- genre needed this show because we were getting such stale quality when it came to movies. We weren't getting the there's same no, thing over and over There's again. no edge anymore. The boys brought the edge to superheroes, yeah. and um, obviously with the graphic novel and comic, that we had with movies like Watchmen and V for Vendetta. We had that edge. And Deadpool, yeah. And connecting the political, societal aspects of our life into the story, just like V for Vendetta and Watchmen. But we lost the edge and the danger of superheroes, of villains, and what they can actually do. And that scene shows so well the potential of a character like a Superman or a Homelander that's off the leash. And eventually, I can't wait to see what he's more capable of, even though it's terrible, but it's still fascinating to watch. And I, I think there's a misconception about Homelander out there. Uh, Where some people think he's an anti-hero. Homelander is not an anti-hero. Homelander is irredeemable for his actions, but he's not hes not an anti-hero. Definitely so, not. I think people need to Google what an anti-hero is. They might he's... be cheering in real life if they murdered someone in front of them. <laughs> they, might, they might be part of that <laughs> I just that think correctly. they misinterpret what yeah. an anti-hero is. Yeah, I guess so. Because, yeah, he has no heroic qualities whatsoever no good qualities in any way safe, anything he ever form. does that's heroic it's all planned it's coordinated by pr like his annual birthday save when that sequence with the girls on the roof who's suicidal this is his birthday he's like oh this is where at my annual birthday save congratulations please step away from the ledge and then he reveals himself to her basically with that confession and then she doesn't want to j- die anymore because of his life is so messed up and then he's like no i you, you should do it I'm not asking anymore. Like you then should... she makes it her kills herself so that he can have his save. No, no, no. She kills herself. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And then he just flies yeah, away yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he pushed, he pushed her off the ledge with just his words mm-hmm. and with his true identity revealing that to somebody like her. She didn't want to die after hearing what Homelander was really like. And then he's like, "I'm the only one in the sky. I'm the only man in the sky." And I'm ma- there's I, no god. There's just no me. god. It's just me. Yeah. And I think you should jump. There is, there's one thing that was when I was researching the comics that they it was a major change, major major change, um, in the adaptation of the TV series of Black Noir. Did you read up about this Black Noir? Yeah, Black Noir. Yeah. So, noir. <laughs> what did I say? You said Black Noir. Black noir. 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 Yeah, get that. Black Noir. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Noir. Black Noir. <laughs> I did say Noir, didn't I? <laughs> Anyways, so in the comics. It's been reve- it's revealed that it's actually, the man behind the mask of Black Noir is actually Homelander's clone. And so in the, novel- in, in the comic books, Home- Homelander actually started out as a crusader for good. And he's a, he was someone who wanted to be a hero and he wanted to do the right thing. However, he slowly fell into disillusionment and because of his inability to relate to humanity, because of his godlike powers, eventually started craving doing uh terrible things and then he became like a fully fledged villain. But before he became a full fledged villain, there were these supposed blackouts where he couldn't remember what he was doing but he would see on the news it would be Homelander like kill someone, Homelander does something horrible, but he didn't remember ever doing it. And it was a big problem for the character in his in his psyche for a long time. And then it was revealed that Black Noir was actually a clone of Homelander who was doing the terrible things. But making it seem like it was Homelander, and they had like a a fight. I think, and the real Homelander killed the clone. But Black Noir in the comics was actually a clone of him. That's interesting. Black Noir—it's a really interesting character because he gets killed by Homelander. Yeah. After Homelander finds out that he knew that Black Noir knew that he had a father. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. So he knew. He found out that he had a father, and Black Noir knew. So Uh that's why he killed him. It was an act of betrayal to him. You're right. Homelander, it's not really until season 2 where he really does start believing that he is, you know, a god amongst men and that is really a big turning point even though he already is a horrible villain, but he's really beginning to feed into that idea of human beings of being like ants to him. I think and, Stormfront helps with that. Yeah, Stormfront definitely like there's us and them. She kind of instills in his yeah. mind and his psyche and she corrupts him even more. Yeah, as I mean, if he could even be more corrupted, but he is more corrupted by her. Because she's e- even worse than he is in a way. Oh, definitely. Yeah, and so that is that all leads to the end of season three and really truly understanding that he's completely destroying his the hum- humanity that he did have inside of him. The Berg, he he had humanity in him in the first season. There was a little bit in him, but uh, he killed it in season two. And so I think the shapeshifter scene was really a metaphor for him killing his humanity. So doppelganger, yeah, the doppelganger. Um, and Homelander's using him as uh, shapeshifting into Madeline Stillwell so that he can have intimate relations with Madeline Stillwell even though she's dead because he still loves her. And then it's not working for him and then Homelander he's he's under he's just under so much stress and his he's going nuts and then the dopl- then doppelganger shapeshifts into Homelander. And then there's that great, like 20 seconds where you're like is Homelander about to fuck himself? <laughs> And then he grabs Doppelganger's throat and then chokes him to death. And he's basically saying, I don't need you. I don't need anybody. I look at that scene as he's he's killing the last glimmer, the, the last glimmer, the little tiny bit of humanity that was left in him. And in humanity, I mean his ability to love anything because he loved Madeline Stillwell, and he had intense devotion to her. She was dead, but she there was still a, a part of her that was still alive in the doppelganger when he shapeshifted into her. So she was kind of there, and so home and also Homelander killing himself. It's it's his him killing the last bit of humanity of Homelander and just becoming basically, I would say, the furthest thing from a human being can be. So that's how I look at that scene. The doppelganger scene is he, he's killing and f- scratching out the last glimmer of humanity left inside of him. Well, he snaps the neck, Snaps the, neck, yeah, the way, with yeah. one hand. Yeah. It's pretty brutal. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't say that he ever loved Madeline Stillwell, but she did provide the love that he wanted eventually because she first started her job, obviously not turning it into a physical relationship because she's in charge of the Seven. She's basically the manager of the Seven. She's an executive at Vought, and she has to... Keep Homelander under control, and Homelander is usually his most, you know, not relaxed, sort of like docile to an extent when he has affection. Someone's giving him love, like when Stormfront does and like when Madeline does, and it's really their deaths that sets him off on a chain reaction of just chaos, really. And he ironically kills Madeline Stillwell. so I don't think he would have killed someone he loves. I think he killed her because she betrayed him. True. Yeah, yeah, I think that's why he killed her. But I, yeah, I don't... think he did love her. And I... I think that she just gave him the temporary affection that he's always desired because that's what Homelander wants more than anything is love, to be loved, affection. He says that multiple times in the show, and it's really in then that mirror conversation with himself where it's sort of like the Shmigal Gollum conversation. It's really great. How do you action. feel about that scene? I think that when I first saw it, I didn't love it because I thought it was just kind of a ripoff of Two Towers with Smeagol and Gollum talking to himself, and then I watched it again today just to refresh my memory, and I think it's a really powerful scene. So, I still have mixed feelings about it. I think it's really cool, but for me, it, just, it came out of nowhere. Yeah, because there's never any, any mention hints, of yeah. him having dual personality. Yeah, I, he, he obviously had a personality disorder, but it, it wasn't um, anything like that. Like, if they had teased it or if it started earlier, but because it's not until middle of season three, maybe yeah. even later than the middle of season three, we finally see that scene. So when it happened, I I thought it was a little jarring, and I was like, "Wait, where is this coming from?" I, I so I I think it works, but I do think it would have been better if they started it sooner because it for me it kind of came out of left field because I thought he was already fantastic, an amazing villain. Yeah. I, I thought they were doing a great job with him. Like there was. I was like so satisfied as an audience member watching Homelander. So it was another facet to the character that I didn't even think they needed to put in there. Obviously, they want to explore it more, so I wish they could have put more of that earlier in the seasons. It's a sexy scene. I think that's what enticed the writers to do it like that. And I agree, you don't need to do that because he was already a perfectly written character. And it sort of, I guess, takes away from his character a little bit because now it shows that there's a part of him that's being controlled or or getting taken over by a different part of him which i don't love because i think it's better when he's just got one personality yeah because then we see the deterioration of it but we don't really know what's going on inside homeowner's head completely so maybe this is something they're going to explore more and maybe it didn't get awoken awakened until like season three mid-season three the end of season three yeah i mean that's a great point maybe it wasn't Maybe this is is the first time it showed up in a long time. Maybe it was dormant until Uh he got in that fight. Like Smeagol. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it was dormant until he got in that fight with Butcher, Soldier Boy, and Huey, and he almost got killed. He almost got destroyed by them. Maybe that came to life. Like, oh, because this is the scene where he tells himself... You still have a little bit of humanity left inside of you. That's why you're weak. That's why you need love. That's why you need adoration. And we're going to stamp that out and make you pure. And by pure, he really means pure evil. So that's all. So that's what I didn't like the most about the scene was because they were basically spoon feeding everything that they were already perfectly doing. Yeah. With, cause it was like we already knew all this stuff. And now we have the other Homelander basically explaining it to the audience. But we already got it all through the seasons, and through his actions, and the way he behaves, like, it was just like telling us things we already knew. You know what I mean? So that's something I didn't love about that scene. I felt like, I felt like we were being, like, given a bullet point list of things we already knew about Homelander. It felt a bit like Goblin as well, and Spider-Man, with, Uh, with, 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 um... From two? Harry, I mean, with Osborne Norman. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Spider-Man. Spider-Man 1 when Norman's talking to, in the mirror with Goblin and his other identity. So for him, it was dormant for a little while, yeah. and then it revealed itself. So maybe this is something that was hiding from Homelander for a little while, and now it's revealing itself to the audience as well now. Yeah, I, was, I definitely got uh, Willem Dafoe's scene definitely reminiscent of that. So maybe it's always been there. Uh-huh. Well, maybe, I also, I also maybe, want... You go ahead. No, you go ahead. I want to take a moment because I asked our listeners uh-huh. a question. Oh, what's the question? Is Homelander your favorite character on The Boys? If so, why? Let's hear him. And I would love to read everyone's response or some people's response so long as they're not terrible. <laughs> safe for PG-13. Yeah, exactly. Safe for uh, pe- <laughs> Safe to be read online. <laughs> you know how people are on the internet these days. Let's see. Friendly Neighborhood Films. Because we're not the he- real heroes, he is. So he is your favorite character. <laughs> Badass shark, fit, shark in the sea. Soldier boy all day. Okay, Landon, him and Butcher. Amanda, he's the opposite of Superman and more complex of a character, which is interesting. Dawson, he's not, because he is a meanie. I don't like meanies. (laughs) LS15 Thompson, him or Billy Butcher as they're simply just so fucking cool. Kami, because he's fucking insane, it's awesome. (laughs) Sebastian, yes, only because Anthony Starr. I don't think anyone else can do what he has with Homelander. I completely agree. This is such a unique performance, and Anthony Starr is bringing something to it that almost no one in Hollywood could do, I think. Dawson... Gimbal because he's such an evil terrible person and has mental problems lol Mitchell Schwartz. Yes Great shows need great villains that you hate. Excited for season four. Schofield, he's the most terrifying character. Every time he's on screen, you feel like something is going to go wrong. I feel the same way. Like sometimes I'm watching him on screen, I'm like looking over my shoulder, I'm like... He looks like he's always about to break someone's skull open. He looks like he's about to break the screen yeah. open when you're watching on TV, like come through your screen and come and after you. And it's like you feel terrified for the people around him in the room, especially the humans of just, like, tiptoeing and walking on eggshells constantly around him. He sort of feels like a slasher villain that you have to fraternize with. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like if Freddy Krueger was, like, your work employee. And you don't want to say the wrong thing. Yeah, or Jason was your colleague, <laughs> and you're in the, the vending machine in the break room. <laughs> he can't kill you necessarily, like, there's a clause in his contract which allows it. Mm-hmm. But he shouldn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. doesn't want to get fired. <laughs> doesn't want to deal with HR repercussions. Exactly. Evan Smith. Black Noir steals the show for me. Homelander is a close second. Chris Farmer. Yes, because he is Homelander. That's the only reason I need <laughs> Reese. I like that. Kind of, but Frenchie really is him. <laughs> JT straight. Rocky. Absolutely not. I don't know why people relate to him at all. I hope no one relates to him. <laughs> yeah, I hope nobody if relates to do, him. If they do, you really might need to talk to yeah, somebody. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan Duddy. Anytime he's on screen, I'm glued to it in fear of what he might do. Brilliant acting. And then Tyler Matthew Moda. Homelander is such a well-written character that is perfectly, perfectly acted by Anthony Starr. Thanks great, everyone for great responses. sending those responses. and I completely agree with pretty much everyone. Is he your favorite character in the show? Oh, he's 100% my favorite character. Butcher was my favorite for the first season. Uh-huh. But season two, then season three, Homelander just... Took it by a mile. This guy's leagues ahead of every other character for me, in my opinion, when I watch this show. Not to say that the cast isn't superb, because it really is. I mean, you know, you all know how much we love Carl Urban and the genetic specimen that man is. But, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Homelander and Anthony Starr, they, he steals every single scene he's in. I think he, I still prefer, well, I mean, I wouldn't prefer, but my favorite is, is Butcher. Because I think Butcher's Boy. great. I think it's just because I, I, I adore Carl Urban and always have. Uh, but he's also just so dynamic on screen, and it's really the best scenes of the show are when them two are at it, either fighting or having their back and forths. Just act two great actors going at it. and uh, But that being said, Anthony Starr in Homelander is my second favorite role in, in the show. I, I have a list of nicknames of, oh, yeah. of Homelander given to him by other characters, right. and it's really funny. So here's this great list. So Homelander's nickname for himself, or alias you could say, the world's greatest superhero, obviously. <laughs> Jonah Vogelbaum, my greatest failure. Stan Edgar, played by, um, what's his name? Oh, my God. I'm just blanking Gus oh, Fring. God. Oh, fuck, what's his name? Giancarlo Esposito. Yeah, sorry. Stan Edgar, man-child. <laughs> Billy the Butcher, cunt. <laughs> Billy the Butcher, rapey Santa. I'm sorry, hold on. I love how what Billy calls the invisible man the invisible cunt <laughs> well 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 if it isn't the invisible cunt <laughs> stormfront gramps by doppelganger the most powerful man becca butcher inhuman fucking monster stan edgar bad product starlight fucking psycho starlight fucking nutjob queen mave paranoid malignant narcissist soldier boy cheap fucking knockoff Self-proclaimed, The Upgrade. I like cheap fucking knockoff. That's my favorite. <laughs> the Deep, Sir. <laughs> Soldier Boy, fucking disappointment. <laughs> Soldier Boy, weak sniveling pussy.
1: <laughs>
0: Queen Maeve, asshole. Billy Butcher, Philly fuck- Oh, I already said this one. Um, Billy Butcher, The New You. That's when he uh, takes the compound V. Uh-huh. So I'm those are some nicknames you. that people have for Homelander. <laughs> I also have a, a list of the most shocking kills. Oh, let's get into it, man. Alright, so, I think, obviously, a big one is early in the sh- in the show, we see him stopping bank robbers, with the kids filming him on the street, and he takes one robber who's shooting at him, the others ran away, and he throws him into the air, we don't see how far he goes, and then he turns back to the kids, and he's like, hey, kids. <laughs> and then, like, 20 feet behind him, the body finally lands on a car <laughs> and just smashes the car. Uh, choking Doppelganger, I mean, uh, breaking his neck. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great kill. Dude, it's brutal. I've never seen a neck snap like that on- on screen before. Yeah. It's sort of like a sideways, but also one hand, it's really cool. Yeah. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> you sound un- oddly fascinated by this stuff. No, I mean, <laughs> I mean you know how many <laughs> next snaps have you seen on camera before? Probably a hundred. I just love like how the next snap you heard the sound. It of the sounded great. Breaking. It sounded like celery or something. <laughs> <laughs> <Crutch>. <laughs> Obviously, killing the crowd with his laser eyes in his imagination, because that scene's so great because it shows that he could do that at any moment, and he's always at, he's fighting the desire to do that. Every waking moment, he's just trying to stop himself from destroying every human being he sees see in front of him. Uh, and Madeline Stilwell killing her uh, with the laser eyes right through her skull. Really shocking moment, and uh, it's just a great moment for his character of moving on and and overcoming some of his trauma. And then I would say that finale, the, the that kill of the guy in the crowd and just lasering his head off in front of everybody huge moment for the character big time and then there's the shocking moments like the shocking moment is the airplane and abandoning the passengers also making forcing the deep to eat uh, de- uh, todd or timothy timothy, <laughs> timothy. That's, that's honestly the show's so funny <laughs> and homelander what i love about the character he's very cunning yeah he doesn't make mistakes but he's obviously got great intelligence which is obviously a benefit of being a superhero in compound v and he one of his great strengths is the way he trolls his colleagues mm-hmm. or his inferiors to keep them below him psychologically, and this is one of those aspects where the deep's been hit or miss in the public. He's made some big mistakes, and he's basically messing with the deep. and Timothy's his friend, and so he makes him eat Timothy, and it's it's pretty funny. Oh my god, it's pretty damn. It's funny. It's also reminiscent of old boy. Yeah, because but in a completely yeah. different context. Yeah, but he does bring up South Korea. Yeah. Uh, delicacy in South Korea. Yeah, and all. Oh my God, that scene's hilarious. And then also another one of the shocking moments, pretty early on, is when uh, Vaught's trying to bring Blind Spot into the seven to replace the uh, to fill in the empty spot. Basically, Daredevil. Yeah, yeah, Daredevil, basically. And then, <laughs> Homelander's like acting very friendly. He's like, "Oh, this is great." He's like, Can, "Mind if I ask just one thing? Like, just one, one little thing, one question." And then he bashes Blind Spot's ears, in- incapacitating his his sound, um, his hearing again, his hearing now. And then he gouges out his eyes right in front of, um, what's the, I'm sorry, the Ashley, the P- Ashley PR. And that's like, holy shit, this is unbelievable. And he, and he says the line, he says, what makes you think I would let a cripple into the Seven? And it actually makes a lot of sense for the character. Like, he wouldn't let anybody into the Seven who wasn't, in his eyes, in his opinion, Worthy. And so someone who's disabled, he's, he views as less than. Even if they're a soup, they're less than a normal True, soup. and he may look at that specific soup as someone who's had to overcome something Sure, yeah, and had to develop intense skill because he shows off his martial arts and his incredible gymnastics, parkour, basically, and it's like this guy's incredible. It's a great audition. And, it you know, is, yeah. But he's been—you can tell—he's been training his entire life every yeah. day, probably, to be that good. Obviously, using his super hearing to his benefit, but being that great of a a combat artist, basically. And I think that turned Homelander off just as much. Where he's like, "Fuck this guy! Like, <laughs> I, I put no effort in. I don't want anyone who's putting effort in. I don't want anyone to up me." Basically, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. He could—he could have he felt threatened by. I think the that's skill. What, yeah, I think that's what it was. He mm-hmm. was threatened by the work ethic. That's a great skill, point. Yeah, that's a great point. Because but, I mean, Homelander, he might have a little training here and there, but even if he had it in his youth and his teenage years or young adults, he hasn't used it in probably a decade. Mm-hmm. He hasn't had to. He's a movie star, basically. Yeah. And I, ironically, unlike every, unlike other actors who play superheroes, Anthony Starr was like, "I'm not getting jacked. <laughs> I'm not putting, I'm not putting in the weights at the gym." Like Jensen Ackles. Yeah. yeah. Jensen Ackles went to work. Yeah. So yeah, this is that great story. I saw in an interview where Ackles said he, that he he spent so much time uh building muscle mass and just really grinding in the gym to put on the the mass to look believable in a superhero costume and he goes to set and he saw that Anthony Starr was just like normal. He was like, Yeah, I just had them pad in my suit. What did, why don't you do that? And then he was like, Shit, I shouldn't have I wasted so much time at the gym now. It's a great satire and irony though, yeah. where even though Anthony Starr isn't Homelander, but the character is an, a satire on superheroes, yeah. it's pretty ironic and interesting that he chose to go a, a, an ironic route of not doing training to be a superhero. It kind of fits yeah. the mold of the character in the show in a lot of ways. I totally get that. I agree. And I think it works better for Soldier Boy anyways because his his costuming is a little different. And he often is in, in uniform. He yeah. often isn't in a costume. He often wears playing clothes. But Jensen's also a big guy already. Yeah, I'm yeah, sure. He, he was already in good shape. He hit the gym hard, I'm sure, yeah. to put on bulk, but I'm sure he was already in great shape. I mean, he was. In, I mean, I think he might be a favorite to play Batman, I bet, for James Gunn. He, well, he, seen, he has already. He looks like he could do it. Yeah, he's got the great voice. He's done Batman voice before. Yeah. I know that fans would fucking lose their minds if he got the role. I think he'd kill it. He does a, He has a great voice, and I'm again... I've said it multiple times on the show, Supernatural is always on in her gym. So I see him on Supernatural <laughs> real, all the time. Yeah. And he looks so different because in that, he was obviously much younger, but he used clean-cut look. Clean-shaven, yeah, too, clean yeah. clean-shaven. He And obviously, he has the beard recently, but he does have that jawline. Yeah, he definitely has the jaw and the chin. Good-looking motherfucker. Yeah. I mm. think he can pull off Batman really well, and I think he'd be a great choice. He's the right age and everything for what they would be doing. I think and it'd be cool to have him. I think he'd be a great choice. But I think there, that's a great... Uh, relationship between him and Homelander, which we'll get to in a little bit. But before we continue, we're going to take a little break and head to our intermission. But first, we want to let you know the best way to support our show, Raiders of the Lost Podcast. And that is to first share us with your family and friends. The best way to grow a podcast is word of mouth. And then become a patron at patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost Podcast. It's a subscription-based form of support. There are five different tiers. Every single patron gets access to a weekly bonus episode of the show, as well as we have an ad-free experience of every single episode for the minimum $5 tier. All of them in the $10 tier get you access to our Discord, as well as a complimentary holiday card this season, plus so many other perks. There are other tiers, $25, $10... Every tier has a ton of perks, so definitely go look them up. And the ad-free experience, you can listen to those episodes on Spotify if you connect your Patreon to it. So yeah, that's a really cool feature. Thank you to everyone who's already a patron. Sign up today at patreon.com slash Raiders of Lost Podcast. There's also a link in the description of this episode. And also leave those five-star ratings and reviews on Spotify and Apple. This is essential to our show growing and getting discovered. These apps push shows that have a bunch of ratings. We're almost at 2,000 on Apple. we got to bump those numbers up. Those are rookie numbers. Let's bump them up as well as Spotify. We're at like 23, 2400. That's very cool. So thank you, everyone, who's left a review already. And of course, this episode is sponsored by our friends at MoviePosters.com, the number one place to get all of your posters online today. Be sure to use our promo code raiders ten at MoviePosters.com to get 10% off your order right now. They have a huge selection, pretty much every movie and TV show imaginable in their poster library. They even have a huge selection of the boys' posters. So if you want to get some boys' posters, head on over to MoviePosters.com. They're also doing our movie poster giveaway this week. One lucky listener, if they enter the contest, will win a free poster of their choosing from MoviePosters.com. If you want to enter that contest, all you have to do is, is make a comment in our last episode, which was... Arrival. Arrival. Make a comment in the Arrival episode on our YouTube channel that enters you into the poster contest. We're going to pick winner next week. So be sure to enter your name make a comment in that Arrival episode. And again, in the meantime, be sure to use our promo code at at Raiders10 at MoviePosters.com. Almost got jumbled there. And that'll get you 10% off your order right now. Now, let's head into our intermission and begin with the movie quote competition, Anthony. Are you ready for my quote? I was born ready. It's two characters
1: interacting. Here we go. These are Russian-made. One moment. These are American-made and very low-tech. Hmm. Uh,
0: I don't know. I'll do it one more time. Yeah, please. One character's American, one character's Russian. FYI, hint. I got that. These... (laughs) <laughs> you did a great accent these are Russian made one moment these are American made and very low-tech they're throwing something at each other uh-huh. when they're speaking man from uncle yes there you go <laughs> got it <laughs> he got the throwing it. helped yeah, yeah yeah I figured yeah that's pretty good Russian pretty good thank, thank you that wasn't <laughs> that was terrific Russian what are you talking <laughs> about What's the Russian privyet. word? What is it? No, uh, for Russian? Yeah. For thank you? Yeah. I don't know, but I know hello is привет. 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 You call that Russian. <laughs> All right, here's my quote. Doubt can be a bond as powerfully and sustaining as certainty. When you are lost, you are not alone. It's a good line. I just don't know what the fuck it's from. Want me to say it again? No, you're good. I don't know it. <laughs> 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 You're like, there's no way I'm getting yeah, it. Yeah. Don't waste your time. <laughs> doubt. I was gonna say doubt, but I, my literally my first thought was doubt, and I'm like, that's too obvious. It's in the fucking line. I was, I was a trick question. I was like, I bet if since the first word is doubt, he's not gonna you say You mother, doubt. you got me, man. You motherfucker, <laughs> you motherfucker. That was clever. Yeah. Mind games, man. That was a mind game. Mind games. Yeah, very cunning. <laughs> I'm a predator. Well, no, no, I'm not. I shouldn't. That's, that's <laughs> you not, heard that's, it here. That's not a good thing to call Anthony's yourself. Anthony's a predator. You heard that's it here. That's not a good thing to call oneself. <laughs> Take that back. Not, not how I meant. Not how I meant it. I'm like Anthony's, a cunning. Anthony's on a list now. <laughs> they got me. You gotta go door to door and let everyone know you're here, man. <laughs> it's like at horrible bosses because Charlie Day peed at a park at like midnight.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there are no children there.
0: <laughs> oh my God. All right, what's your year? Oh, yeah. James, James is, like, looking around, like, I guess this is cool.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Mine's actually a TV show. So what year did The Tudors premiere? Long fucking time. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> 2000. Wait, okay, hold on. It ran for four seasons, FYI. 2007. Yeah, you got it right. Yes!
1: 2007. Hell yeah, baby. Henry. 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 All right, what year did Antoine Fisher come out? 1998. 2002. Kind of close. I mean, four years is kind of close. It's kind of close. It's pushing it. It's not. It's not. (laughs) Movie pop quiz time. (laughs) What
0: is General Zod's... Favorite color. I'm just kidding. What is General Zod's first name? Fuck. He has a first name. I thought his first name was General. (laughs) Uh, Hold on. Something Zod. Is it a... (laughs) a <laughs> I, I probably is something Zod, <laughs> Lil Zod. <laughs> Was he a rapper? Yeah, <laughs> Lil Zaddy, Lil Zaddy, Lil Zaddy, <laughs> Zaddy, Zaddy, Zaddy. On, it's gotta be like because there's like Jor and Kal L and <laughs> yeah, but that's their line. That's their, and... line. that's their line. Uh-huh. That's their bloodline. That's fine. so it's not. What's not one syllable one like that? It's one syllable. I, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm getting at. It's like gonna be a one syllable like cal Zod or something. <laughs> no, but it's not Cal, it's not L. It's, um... He's not from the House of L, Like, jor and kal are from. So he's not- he's not Superman's brother? No, he's not, surprisingly. <laughs> you <wouldn't laughs> fucking think he is, though. <laughs> el Zod? It's not Spanish either, Anthony. No, I'm thinking, like, his name's cal Zod, Not el Zod. No, it's not Cal. I know, I'm just- I'm just saying, it's like Well, like you're not that. gonna get it, I might as well it's tell like, you. It's like, no, no, I got this, man. <laughs> <laughs> it- it's... It's, um... Bill Zod. I
1: don't
0: know. Todd Zod. No, I'm just kidding. It's Drew. (laughs) D-R-U. Drew Zod. (laughs) That's a terrible first name. His name's Drew Zod. Drew Zod. D-R-U is Drew. Oh my God. That's a terrible name for a villain. (laughs) That's why he goes by general. (laughs) That's kind of like, I don't even look at him the same way anymore. Imagine if if your planet got extinct from a guy named Drew. (laughs) No offense to anyone named Drew listening to this. yeah this is not a villain name yeah yeah it's a great name any Drews out there great name Anthony's gonna name his firstborn son Drews Drew our daughter D- Drews our Drew deputy firstborn Anthony for Anthony's family is Drew Drewy all
1: right here's my quiz question Viola Davis co-stars in what Shia LaBeouf film whoa Viola and Shia LaBeouf in a movie together well whoa, whoa, whoa. correctamundo co-stars and sh- they share a few scenes together yes
0: um, let's. She's not like a lead. She's like one of the one of the co co
1: actors. Okay, she's a co actor, not a lead. Not a lead. Shia. He's the lead. It's his movie. Holes. No. She's definitely not an even Stevens <laughs> movie. <laughs> Unless she is.
0: No, it's not. Even. It's a movie. It's some. No, movie. they made a movie. They made an even Stevens movie. Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, 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 yeah. It's not even Stevens, but yeah, you're right. They did make a movie. TV movie. I will go with... Definitely not Nymphomaniac. No, she's not in that. Definitely not... Oh, what's the one with Robert Redford? You thinking Lions for Lambs? No. The political one. Yeah, Lions for Lambs. No, it's called something else. The Investigation one?
0: Where he's got glasses? Shia? He's like a reporter? Journalist?
1: Oh, with the oh
0: yeah, that's a different one. Definitely not that then. No, I don't know what that. is it. It's uh, Disturbia. Oh, she's she, the 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 person protective. that the, the yeah. detective. She's the detective. she's oh, she a detective. Or, no, she's a judge, right? She's the detective. Okay, so she puts the ankle bracelet on him. That's what it is. Yeah, she's like. I there, remember that. Yeah, yeah. they sure. Oh my scenes. god! What's so weird is I was thinking about Disturbia yesterday. The most lowliest day of my, day of my life. life. I don't know, I just, You know how movies pop in your head, really? I don't know just, what you mean. That just popped in my head. I'm like, for, for what it is, it's a really well-made movie. Yeah, it's solid. Yeah. Man. Yeah, That's it's cool. one of her early roles. She's great in that, yeah. She's great in everything. She's one of the best actors of life. But yeah, she's the, she's the detective that, you know, she's there putting, when the other cops putting a bracelet on his ankle. She's like the one in charge. And uh, they share multiple scenes. In
1: she goes to the house a couple of times. Got me, man. Got him. Got him. Alright. Three for th three zero for three. Man. You gotta
0: step your game up next time. Oh for three. Strikeout. I'm never giving you hints <laughs> again. I gave you like seven <laughs> hints. I even acted the scene out for you for the man from Uncle One. I gave you the title in my quote. <laughs> What's the hater this week, Anthony? I also got the date right. Do we have any? Hat- give me a hit for. A Do date? we have any haters besides Anthony on this podcast? Any unsubscribes? Where we oh, got? Yeah, we got some. Anthony's just putting up a hate hate storm. Drinking, got- drinking that hater aid all day. <laughs> I just love tormenting you. It's pretty messed up, man. He's a predator and he torments. <laughs> <laughs> Learning a lot about Anthony today, aren't you all? <laughs> so I watched Cinderella Man uh, the other night, and then I wrote just a quick letterbox review, and then Ryan L. I didn't notice it, I, I misspelled uh, Ron Howard's name, I wrote Rob Howard, and so Ryan wrote Rob Howard, unsubscribed! <laughs> <laughs> in your defense, Letterboxd has no autocorrect feature. Nothing, yeah, it's, it's, they need to get their typing going. I'll like, make a review that's like a so many misspellings, and then I'll go back and look at it, I'm like, I misspelled everything. <laughs> everything is spelled right, it's not even yeah. in English. It's um... Because when you're typing it out, you're like, oh this is perfect, perfect. You're right, perfect. they you don't macular. have any autocorrect at no. all, nothing. So I misspell shit all the time on it. And I replied to him, it's Ron's younger brother, Robbie Howard. <laughs> and then Ryan wrote, oh, Robbie, Robert Howard, his lack of body or any physical shape really helped him snag that role for Arrested Development. And I wrote exactly. <laughs> <laughs> this was a great little back and forth. It's fun. <laughs> it cracked me up. Rob Howard, I'm such an idiot. <laughs> and then that was it for our haters. Cool. Our well, we have a great new five-star review Amazing. on Apple Podcasts. This is from what up, Russ Jesse? What up, Best Podcast? I've been listening for two and a half years. Wow. That's a long That's time. time. Long fucking time. Started listening when I was a sophomore in high school, and I've just graduated and got my girlfriend of three years pregnant. Congrats. Congrats. You're both 19. Congratulations. Wow. He said that. That's awesome. It's been very stressful and listening to y'all's podcast while working a 10-hour shift makes it go by so fast and less miserable. Love you guys. Y'all are hilarious, and I always look forward To learn more and more about movies from you guys who actually care, y'all are great, and you have to let it all go, Neo. You have to let it all go, Neo. Fear, (laughs) doubt, disbelief. Free your mind. Whoa, my guy. (laughs) That's a great review. Thank you so much. Congratulations Congratulations on your on your growing family. Yeah, that's awesome. Good for you. After you said I got her pregnant, I was like, nice. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Nice. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
0: yeah, the Cobb in South Park, nice. <laughs> if you need names, let me know. James is a great one. That's oh yeah, Anthony's a great name too. It's better than James. <laughs> <laughs> the most lonelyest <laughs> day, day of my life. life. All right, what do you have for your streaming recommendation, Antonio? Well, ever since I hacked into your Netflix, <laughs> <laughs> First yeah. I was like, wait, what you hack do? <laughs> what else do you, what do you got on your computer? Now, just, I'm, now I'm curious. Nothing's on my computers, man. <laughs> I have an external for all that. <laughs> um I made an account for Juno and myself. <laughs> what do you guys watch cat movies? No, we watch adult movies. Like grown up movies. <laughs> not adult movies. It's not like that on Netflix. <laughs> you know what I mean? So many missteps. It's perverted. He <laughs> <laughs> likes torture. Uh I watch Cinderella, man. It was fantastic. I hadn't seen it in years. Yeah, we know you watched it. You brought it up three times already. So I watched Cinderella, man. <laughs> hey, this is my stream recommendation, okay? Let me have this. Just let me have this. That's <laughs> all he has. I, had, <laughs> I hadn't seen it in years. I always really liked it. And I, I was fucking cheering. I was... The final fight, I was like, let's go! I was crying. It's really well done. It's honestly... It's one of the best boxing movies. I would make it a t- I would say it's a top five boxing movie all time. It could have been a Best Picture winner, too. It's so well made. Yeah, it got nominated for three Oscars. It didn't get Best Picture nomination, but it got makeup and I believe Russell Crowe and then something else, like costuming. He's so likable in this movie. He's likable in every movie. But it's Russell Crowe, man. Yeah, not every, I mean, he sometimes doesn't play... Super great, like the truck driver who wants to kill people. Not very. He's likable. I like him. <laughs> and he's like, I relate to that guy. <laughs> yeah. Road rage. That's me. Oh yeah. Murder. <laughs> oh yeah. Added that to my list. <laughs> Predator. You should watch Unhinged, man. I haven't seen it yet. I think you really like it. Probably. I was. That was a lockdown movie. I was like, fuck it. And I put it on. I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> it's my fantasy. Honestly, it's real. It's just like a classic thriller. It's great, and he's just one of the best actors ever. You're right he is extremely likable. It's a very heartfelt story. It's a true story and also there's great historical fiction in it. It's set during the- historical nonfiction. I mean. It's set during the Great Depression. You get to- you see like- we forget how easy life is for us. Life is so convenient for us. Life is so easy for us. Even if you I mean I know it's- working's tough but like there- people were starving. Every day in the Great Depression, and they'd and, have bread every day. Yeah, and, That's and they eat if, potatoes. If people did work, they were working sixteen-hour shifts in factories or hard manual labor. It was a struggle just getting by for everybody. And back then, the poverty level was ninety-six percent poverty rate for the population. Ninety-six percent isn't that crazy? And now a struggle is getting your name spelled wrong on your Starbucks cup. <laughs> it's Jake, <laughs> not Jack. <laughs> <laughs> and so i love it's i think it's important to watch movies like that to understand the perspective because through the stories of the past it's you read about you can read about it on wikipedia or like an article but when you watch a movie and you see the story and it lets you connect to the, the people of that life of that era and when it's done well like this film with a very capable director and ron howard it's just incredible to behold and it's just a very powerful true story and A great underdog film. I love Cinderella Man. If you haven't seen it, add it to your watch list on Netflix. All right, let's get back into our episode. This is a Cinderella Man episode now. (laughs) Wait, what's your rec? Oh, I forgot. My recommendation is... Let's get back into the episode. (laughs) Pacific Rim, which is on Hulu now. A lot of you know we went to see the 10-year anniversary of Pacific Rim at IMAX with the Q&A from Guillermo del Toro. It was an awesome experience, and it made me love the movie even more I hadn't seen it in so many years, like really since it came out, yeah. and I forgot how freaking awesome it is. Completely agree. It slaps. Watch it ASAP. It's a terrific, terrific action movie. Great pick. It's on Hulu? It's on Hulu nice. this month. Just got put in for November. Hell yeah. Now let's get back into Homelander. We were talking about Soldier Boy, right? Yes. So let's talk about the relationship between Homelander and Soldier Boy, which is super fascinating. Obviously, when Soldier Boy gets woken up, we're all really excited about this other ultra-powerful being who is maybe on par with Homelander and a potential weapon for the boys to use against Homelander. And I like the relationship between finding out eventually that Homelander is the biological son of of soldier boy and soldier boy calls him up on the phone and tells him this at the end of season three it's such a great reveal and it makes me so excited about season four but before that their dynamic was really interesting as well where homelander is more powerful than soldier boy he is and when they go one-on-one for a little bit homeland is like oh you had me going there for a minute it's, it's really great but we see like how much more advanced in strength and bow and being in power power he is than soldier boy soldier boy doesn't have flight he doesn't have laser vision, but he's got super strength, super durability. And he and was, through the testing, he has that nuclear, basically, reactor inside of yeah. him now. and he's got super sarcasm, which is really <laughs> funny as well. <laughs> yeah. He's a, think, he was a great addition to the show. It was one of the best twists I didn't really see coming, and it was an awesome reveal. And I, I love that phone conversation. It's one of my favorite scenes from season three specifically. It's really funny, you know, because every time Soldier Boy talks, he's really just upping himself up and just, like, got such a big ego. And then he's like, yep, uh, I jerked off into a cup, basically. <laughs> and then a, a year later, there's a kid born around spring. He's <laughs> like, some genetic shit, I don't know. <laughs> I, I love Homelander. And so we found out that I Homelander mean, yeah, Boy. is the biological son. And now the dynamic has changed. Will, will Soldier Boy help Homelander and his goals? Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a take because, because Soldier Boy comes from an older generation, he might think that the familial bond is more important than, you know, someone born in the modern era might think. So he might, even though he knows that is a villain, he might be like, you're, my, you're still my blood, you're still my son. So there could be something similar to Homelander and his son, how Homelander, interestingly, tries to take up a fatherly role with his son. And he's terrible at it, obviously, but it's interesting that he wants to be a father when he finds out that he has a son. And... I think that Soldier Boy, he's going to be like a big part in Season 4, but not till maybe the halfway point because he's just under heavy, heavy sedation at the end of Season 3. But Soldier Boy is important. He's vital to the plan of the boys because he's really the only thing that can destroy Homelander. He's, that's all there is, is Soldier Boy. Like He is the weapon that they need to stop him. Because even with Billy, with his powers, with Homelander, I mean with Soldier Boy, they couldn't really... Stop, Homelander. There was a moment where they they had Huey and Billy can only take Compound V so many more times. Exactly. He has 12 months left to live and so I would say Billy might take Compound V he's done it four times three times now one or two more times he's probably going to take Compound V knowing that he'll die. That's my guess for Billy's story is it's going to get to the point where he needs to take the V he knows he's going to die taking it but he's probably going to save everyone and kill Homelander by taking the V. My my hope for the show and a prediction I have is that, you know, it's going to be Homelander and Billy. One on one and Billy is going to be the one to take down Homelander. I it has think, to be that. Like I think that. that's the way it is because they unlike Soldier Boy and Homelander, it's they're so different. But ironically Billy and Homelander have so much in common and they are in a lot of ways reflections of each other. And Billy is just as much of a villain as Homelander. Even though he does fight for good, kind of, it is still out of uh, his selfish reasons. It's out of revenge. And he's willing to do anything to accomplish his goal. And he's willing to kill anyone to, that gets in his way. So in a lot of ways, he ha- he shares a lot of traits with Homelander, but he does still have goodness within him. And he does still have a lot of humanity within him. He's just buried it deep down in his pain and his trauma. And his grief. And then, obviously, the second half of season three is really the battle for the boy's favor. And ultimately, when he had to choose between the two of them, he chose Homelander. He chose to go with his father because of Billy, uh, turned him against him in a, in a lot of ways. So it was tragic. And it's really, it's honestly so exciting to see what's going to happen with Homelander being a father and being a full, full-fledged, out-there villain. And, he cho- and Ryan chose Billy first, the first yes, time he had to yeah. choose, after Bi- Ryan accidentally killed his mother, which is so tragic, because Homelander accidentally killed his mother figure in a lot of ways, too. Yeah. So Ironic, sp- yeah. It's an, an inevitability, it seems like, for a super a soup with that much power that has a mortal mother and mortal father. And Billy in Homelander, it's the dynamic of the show. It's the key. It really is. Both their performances, both the characters are terrific. I think Billy was so well-written in seasons one and two, but season three, a little bit of a downside. I was a little disappointed when he started taking Compound V, but I think that they did it to keep him on a level playing field with Homelander because how do you get there to be yeah blow-for-blow blow kind of characters? There's always, He can only do so much, yeah. and I think, you know what? I, I liked him taking Compound V. I enjoyed it. I thought it was cool because it also showcased that uh, kind of uh, you know hypocrisy in the character. Yeah. Of embracing the superpower and, and liking it. Which he hates so yes. much, but he understands he needs to take it. And what's also interesting is his laser vision's orange and not red. You could probably say because Homelander's so evil, oh, it's red. Yeah. Maybe Billy's because he's not completely corrupt that it's not quite red yet. Maybe it will turn red when he gets darker. And his powers are a, a, a reflection of Homelander's powers. Exactly. Like, except for flight, they have the same powers, yeah. which is very interesting. And they're both connected, obviously, through Becca because Becca was Billy's wife. And he thought she disappeared or was killed after she started working for Homelander, because she did disappear. So he presumed her dead, and so he was basically on a path of revenge, because he knows Homelander was involved somehow. Little did he know that Homelander raped Becca, and she became pregnant with Ryan. Now, in the comic books, Becca dies during her pregnancy, not when she's giving birth, but... ...the fetus of little Ryan claws its way out of Becca, because it's a superhuman fetus, and she's mortal. So she dies in front of Billy. While well, she's pregnant with Homelander's mm-hmm. baby, however, in the show, I think they did a great job with. Obviously, she gives birth and has and Ryan and raises him up until this point. Ryan's like probably like nine, ten years old or something like that, and they've turned her into a really turned her into a really solid and strong character who, obviously, everyone's afraid of Homelander's powers and afraid of being killed by him. But Becca really shows almost no fear when it comes to interacting with Homelander because she understands that she has power over him with Ryan and she convinces him many times that a father ne- I mean a- Ryan needs his mother obviously you're the father but you're Homelander you can only come here every once in a while and you're not a good father figure he needs me around he needs m- to be a mother he- she also uses that power to protect Billy multiple times to spare Billy's life Homelander could kill Billy anytime he wants really but because of Becca and the control he has she has over Homelander she, he spares Billy multiple times. And so Becca's a very important character and unfortunately accidentally killed by her own son, which is so tragic. Yeah, there's a, there is a thing that he has with mothers and obviously with Madeline Stillwell, it's one of the more uh, hilarious, while still complex and interesting relationships and Madeline's uh, pull over him and his mommy issues, his pleasurable experiences with milk and this desire to be a child and this desire to have a mother and to be held like a baby and to be uh, to be given those experiences that he never had and he craves as an adult and that's why you know he has like those almost orgasmic moments when he's tasting milk or drinking milk (laughs) he like sticks his tongue in that glass of milk in the cow the cat he's milking the cow yeah the (laughs) bucket of milk (laughs) the sound design is so good it's like <laughs> <laughs> it's really interesting. It's it's really funny too. It shows that this character has major weaknesses, like insane weaknesses for the irony of having all that strength. It comes with a lot of problems and a lot of insecurities and a lot of a lot of uh, issues within himself that he'll never probably overcome. And you know, Madeline like many other people, Stan becomes basically her place afterwards. some humans have found ways to manipulate Homelander and to control him. And with Madeline, it's easy for her. She manipulates him. She can sway his opinion. She can basically force him to do things. And he's dependent on her. He's dependent on her attention and validation and her intimacy. And then with Stan, Stan's a great character because he has a lot of power over Homelander because he's the business. And... Homelander is beholden to the numbers. He's beholden to public opinion. He's beholden to Vought Industries maintaining his ability to be loved by fans and adored by fans. And it's so I love the scenes with him and Stan because Stan is just a guy. He's just a human being. But he talks down to Homelander. And he treats Homelander like an employee, which is so cool because Homelander could crush him. But he knows he needs Stan. And he depends greatly on Vought Industries to maintain his presence as a public figure of adoration. And so I really enjoy the pull and the sway that Stan has over him, the manipulation he can have over Homelander. And also, like, anybody can... A a person couldn't physically harm Homelander, but they could cause him great emotional stress and tap into his insecurities with words. And by making Starlight co-captain of the Seven. That's interesting because when it comes to the humans that he could kill to get his way... He doesn't really do it if they don't fear him. Stan doesn't fear Homelander, ever. He never shows fear in front of him. Billy never shows fear in front of Homelander. Becca doesn't show fear in front of Homelander. So there are these humans that stand in his way from what he wants, and if he didn't have any bits of humanity left, he would just murder them. But because he's so insecure, maybe he's sort of like a predator that needs his prey to have fear in order to attack. Well, no, that's a great point because he's not intelligent. Who, Homelander? Yeah.
1: No, Hom- Homelander's
0: intelligent. Yeah, he's intelligent. He makes mistakes, but yeah. he's intelligent. But he's not, like, someone who can manipulate. And so what happens with, with Homelander is if he can't control someone or if he feels like he doesn't have control of a situation, he'll try to use his strength to threaten someone. He usually fears his yeah. form of control. But yeah. he knows that, some, like like you said, it w- that wouldn't work on some people. It works on most people. And when he feels like he is losing the grip on a situation, he'll pull out violence and he'll kill someone or he'll... He'll show his strength and and become a threatening person. But with someone like Stan, he can't hurt Stan. Stan's in charge. And he can't hurt Madeline. He depends on her. He kills her. Yeah. Well, yeah, at the end of the season, you know what I mean? But what she do also, not only betrays him, but she says, right before he kills her, I'm afraid of you. And then he kills her. Because maybe he's always thought that she's not afraid of me. Yeah, she's always been hiding. But then that. she cries and confesses that I'm afraid of you. That's why I've done this. And then dead. But look at the characters who don't show fear to Homelander. They're, they don't die. They haven't That's been a great killed point. yet. Yeah. So I think there's something to characters who don't fear Homelander. He's afraid to kill them. Almost like he needs, in order to kill somebody, he needs them to have a sense of fear of him. I would say a little bit because. Starlight doesn't fear him, but he would kill Starlight if he could. Starlight fears him, I guess. You can tell Starlight uh-huh. does fear him for sure. Yeah. Everyone fears him except for Billy, Becca, and Stan. And Stan. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, like even the ele- there's a couple scenes with Starlight and Homelander, especially that monologue that he goes on where he's gonna say. Sit- I have this, I have it written down. It's a yeah. great monologue. It's it's horrifically evil. Where he says, "What's the situation?" So, so Starlight is co captain, and she's about to before they start recording on air or. She, hold on, let me pull the line. She's about to reveal the video of... I can't remember which video it is, but she's about to like blow him up publicly. And so Homelander says, go ahead, release it. Let's light this candle, huh? I think it's the airplane video. I mean, I'm I'm sure I'll lose everything, but then I'll have nothing to lose. First, I'll take out the nerve centers, White House, Pentagon, then any domestic defense capabilities, and then critical infrastructure like cellular, internet, that kind of thing. And then... Well, I think then, I'll just wipe New York off the fucking map, for fun! I'll even throw in Des Moines, and that little cousin-fucker-hick town that Mave's from, cuz why not? See, Starlight? I'd prefer to be loved, I would, but if you take that away from me, well, being feared is a one okie-dokie by me. So go ahead, partner. Do it. No? You don't want to? Well, then. I would have to say that you have absolutely no fucking leverage, because I am the Homelander, and I really can do whatever the fuck I want. But that's a great line and a great that's scene. awesome and also there's a few scenes with starlight where he does intimidate her and yeah. she is afraid to him but she has the power of public opinion and better polling points than him that's that's what spares her she's got the approval rating he yes. needs her yeah he needs her to help himself that's a great point point. and you know this is a a character that makes you really understand bruce wayne's motivations in batman versus superman yeah It's like a representation of what he's talking about in that movie. Kind of. And it's like, oh shit, this guy could destroy the world if he wanted to. I also think that Maeve doesn't fear Homelander. She's willing to die in season three. Yeah, I I think Maeve doesn't fear him either. She's sick of him. Like, I don't give a fuck anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like Maeve used to fear him, Uh but doesn't anymore. I have a few other favorite quotes. Let's hear him, man. Uh, I think one of his best quotes is, I'm stronger, I'm smarter, I'm better. I am better. I am better. (laughs) 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 And then earlier, which we mentioned with the girl, the suicidal girl on the roof, no God. The only man in the sky is me. This is revealing his idea that he does feel as though he is a God. And then another one later in season three I'm done. I'm done apologizing. I am done being persecuted for my strength. You people should be thanking Christ that I am who I, who and what I am because you need me. You need me to save you. You do. I am the only one who possibly can. You're not the real heroes. Talking to first responders. I'm the real hero. I'm the real hero. You know, that scene where... That's that's part of a speech from when Starlight is his co-captain and she has this charity event going on and it's on TV, it's live on air and then he's supposed to say I'm gonna and she says in Homeland is gonna donate ten million dollars to the charity. Then he butts and he's like, no, no, I'm not, no, I'm not. <laughs> See what Starlight just did. She lied. She lied. I'm I'm not like you, basically, and then confesses that. But it's a great scene because that's the first bit of him showing who he truly is to the public. And yeah. This is when his ratings are dropping. He's in decline. He's losing public opinion. But this is the moment where he's finally fed up. He starts to reveal a little bit about himself. And what's the public do? They love it. And his points start to rise. And now he's starting to rival Starlight when it comes to approval ratings. I think that is a great moment, too. That's a great point. I have a list of great scenes and crazy scenes that you haven't brought up either yet. Sure. Let's hear it. So let's see. I have, in addition to what we've already talked about, I have... I like the scene where Billy and Homelander are talking at that table. I like that scene, too. It's really great dialogue, really great acting. Just the two favorite characters, the two leads... No physical contact, but just sitting at a table, just kind of revealing their plans, but also sort of almost working together to an extent. It's really interesting stuff. Yeah, it's like it's like the heat coffee scene. It's just the two highlights of the show together. Okay, I have... <laughs> this one's so messed up. So the whole St- Stormfront character is really great, and Stormfront's so fucked up in a horrible villain and a horrible character that even homelander wouldn't stoop to as low as what stormfront wants to do because obviously they start dating but then once start she starts talking about like Aryan race and eventually it gets leaked that she's a nazi and she was the wife of vaught the frederick vaught the guy who started the company when he came to the, america he founded the chemical yeah and she's a lot been alive for over 100 years and then homelander starts to like back away and then she obviously gets horribly maimed and disfigured when ryan blows her away and accidentally kills his mother But she survives, and Stormfront's basically on life support in that hospital, kind of. (laughs) (laughs) So so he visits her twice in the hospital, and one of the scenes is where (laughs) he's he's upset that, like, no one understands who I am, basically. Like, I'm the most powerful being. I should be the one. And then she, like, holds out her hand, and then he starts to fuck her hand. (laughs) and then he's just talking about how great he is and that's what's getting him off he's like i'm amazing i'm like i am the homelander and then she's like yes and you will lead an Aryan race to victory in the, in a war and he's like what? what what are you talking about like even homelander won't stoop as low as the nazis yeah he plans. just cares about himself and that's it. exactly yeah so it's really funny where like he, even Homelander's is like disgusted that's crazy that's dog. crazy <laughs> i'm not doing that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's hilarious yeah that's a great scene <laughs> that's
0: such a funny scene <laughs> it's
1: All right, dark, what, else, what else
0: we got and we also have uh, when Starlight gets made co-captain uh-huh this is really important and then we talked about earlier how stan has this power over homelander because he's not afraid of him and he's a respected executive at Vought. and that's something that homelander wants to be even though he's technically like an executive he sits in on the board everyone just agrees to him because they're afraid of him except for stan and then stan does the craziest thing ever and basically fires Homelander from his job by making Starlight co-captain. And then the the filmmaking's great because every, they're doing like the press conference, there's photos, there's cameras, everyone's clapping and applauding and Starlight's there like, oh yeah, this is awesome. And then the camera just slowly pushes into Homelander and the audio goes down. And it's just like a hissing sound. It's just like a, a beep, a tone that's just basically inside of his head, it feels like. It's like when he's watching the movie. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> what during the premiere? Yeah, yeah but, but it's like he's just got this crazy straight face, and all he can hear is a, a hissing noise in his in his head. Uh-huh. That's it's a great moment. It's an awesome moment. They do a lot of great nuance with it. As as uh, very extreme as the character is, there's a lot of great nuanced moments that really go well with the more outlandish and oh, out there moments of the character i like how they make them uh, movie stars too basically i think it's genius because obviously they're making a satire on comic book movies and superhero movies of the century but also it's just really fun to see like the way he talks about himself amongst fans like i'm in a bunch of movies you know you ever seen me in that like (laughs) basically and then the premieres are bad and he's just like i I like the premiere where star where it's the movie where they kill stormfronts Mm -hmm. and he's like i guess we're broken up you Nazi bitch. <laughs> it's really hysterical, but just the, the way he zones out at public events like that red carpet premiere. Well, the thing is, the irony to the character is his desire and obsession with being loved, uh, even though he hates people. Yeah. He wants to be loved by people he hates. He hates normal people. He even hates most soups. Yeah, I think he just ultimately hates everybody that's not him. But he despises normal humans Yet he is beholden to their love and adoration It's a great contradiction in the character because he hates society. He hates people He hates everything and also it's I think also because society is restricting of him He can't be himself. He can't be free. He has to follow rules. He has to stay in line He has to control himself. He can never do what he wants or take what he wants or have what he wants He always has to do what's expected of him, and so he's always been chained. So now that he's free, there's going to be a lot of interesting things to explore with the character. I've read some stuff about the comics, I don't want to spoil anything, but there are some big things that they can, like huge swings they can take with the story and the narrative that he has a lot of sway in terms of really changing America and changing the world and like... Just really, truly destroying things. I hope they go as bold as possible. I think it'd be really fascinating, and what's interesting about his power... Obviously being the most powerful soup on the planet, and basically no one can stop him, his social and political power is just as strong. You know, he can do that with just his actions and his words. Just change the world in general for the good or bad, and most likely for the bad. I feel like... In season four, we're gonna get... the build-up of, like, two sides of the public. The pro homelander and then the anti homelander members of the public, and it's going to be like not just a soups battle, but maybe even a, a, a human battle as well. It's possible. It like, seems like it. They're like, cooking up like a uh, like a civil war. Kind yeah, of thing, exactly. Something like that, turning people against each other. And what's also what is a, basically a clear metaphor of the characters, the American military industrial complex, yes. and, as well as corporations and how they kind of go hand in hand. I mean. War is good for business, for the military, and for the governments of the global powers of this world, the superpowers. Even though they say they hate war, it's very profitable for them. It's well documented, and it still has not stopped being insanely profitable, as well as it's very profitable for news. It's very profitable for corporations to cover war. So I think that this show does a really great job feeding into that and revealing that and kind of pulling the curtain a little bit and realizing that they're always connected, and they always will be. Yeah, and I think that multiple characters represent different aspects of uh, the history of the military-industrial complex. And and I think they do a great job of weaving in political narratives and political themes and metaphors and parallels into the st- story and into the characters. And I think they, you see a lot of reflections of what's happening in the real world as well as what has happened. In this superhero subtext, and they do a, an excellent job with it for sure. Like, you see, he goes to, I think, a couple of great highlights of that is him. He takes out, like, that group of terrorists in the building. He gets permission to finally, by the military, to finally kill that. When the superpower terrorist is finally revealed, he's finally given permission to kill, and he just goes on an onslaught, as well as. You know, you could look at at Soldier Boy as like a nuclear weapon metaphor as well, and even a Cold War metaphor for sure. So there's a lot of great aspects that they they weave into what has happened in real life situations. Do you know what Homelander's real name is? No. John Gilman. Gilman. John Gilman. What's up with these supervillains having terrible names? Well, it's the Homelander's a good name though. Homelander. No, I'm yeah, but I'm saying the regular names suck. <laughs> General Zod's awesome. Drew Zod, Not that intimidating. <laughs> Homelander is great. John Gilman, not that intimidating. <laughs> <laughs> He's also a metaphor for those that have the most power in the world don't really care about people. Yeah, they really don't. They just want, what the, they want more power, more wealth, and more control. Yeah, I think that, you know, the rampant, unregulated capitalism combined with the military-industrial complex, they basically are, in a lot of ways, have been dominating the modern era of our existence and then we're seeing it illustrated in like a, the form of a human being in this show it's really well done it's a really excellent show and a really insanely well written character and of course the boys season four is coming 2024 so we're very Do you know excited. what month i'm not sure but yeah. i don't think i think they're going into production pretty soon but obviously yeah. it was delayed because of sag strikes. yeah that's something that was delayed that's right but it's, i'm pretty sure it's coming out 2024 excellent yeah, definitely is. Prime wants it out, for sure. Yeah, they want it ASAP. And Gen V was a hit. People are loving that show. I've only watched a couple episodes, but because I watched a couple episodes, I'm like, let's just do an episode on Homelander. That'll-. It was a great idea, because I love the Evil Explored episodes. I love them. I love them. And we hope you all enjoyed this episode of Homelander. Evil Explored on Raiders of the Lost Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. Again, share us with your family and friends. the best way for a podcast to grow, as well as leave those five-star ratings and reviews on Spotify and Apple, and become a patron today at patreon.com slash Raiders of Lost Podcast to get free bonus episodes as well as an ad-free experience of the show. Take care. See you next time. This episode was executive produced by our Chosen One patrons, Cody Mowen.